0: Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. That's Julie Foster that we saw there, and uh, uh, I want to speak into into that just for a moment, but I wanted to say hello. I wanted to say I'm honored to be with you. Uh, and I thought to myself this morning, it was great. It's great to be in the house of God, but then I also wanted to say it's great to be with you, houses of God. Do you see yourself as a house of God? Do you see yourself as an open heaven? You are the place where heaven and earth come together. You are the place that God is demonstrating himself into the earth. You are that place. So I hope you see yourself as that because I see you that way. So I want to um, uh, just dig in just a little bit if you can, uh, if if you'll join me in this journey. Can we just take an adventure this morning? I'm big on adventures. and One of the thing about adventures, though, is sometimes we don't know where we're going to end up. Sometimes we do. I'm a planner. I like to plan where I'm going to end up, but sometimes I don't get there. And so I've been given a time slot, and I'm going to try to work within it as best as I can. But here we go. we go, we go in this picture, <laughs> yeah, this picture, thanks. We go to this, uh, this picture of, of this contact movie, and it's an interesting thing, this journey. Obviously, Jody Foster in this movie was on, she was on a journey somewhere, wasn't she? And it didn't seem like it was very smooth. It seemed like along the way there was, there were uh, vibrations that were taking place. There were things that were going on inside of this clip that would create tension. For her, and if you were sitting in that seat that was made for her, you would be experiencing this kind of stuff, right? How many of you have been experiencing this kind of stuff these days? Where you have it seems like um, it seems like we're in a in a in a time of shaking, so to speak. I don't know about you. I don't like to be shaken. <laughs> Uh I like adventures but I really would prefer to make it a smooth make it smooth you know just kind of take it take it in stride there one of the phrases in the, this last song that we sang it just really hit me in the presence of my savior And then I think about in the presence of my savior and I think about the shaking I think about in the presence of my savior and I think about this journey that we're on and could I could I um stretch you just for a few moments and uh, uh, about the concept of faith. Could I injured could I invite you to look at faith uh as a progression. That faith actually is a progression rather than Rather than a moment, and I I want to say that with, I want to hold that very lightly for a moment, because I want to explain, I want to explain into that. How many of you are aware that God is infinite? Come on, this mass confession time, everybody? Okay, God's infinite, right? So in other words, he's He's bigger than you think. Just when you thought you might have got him figured out, you don't have him figured out. Okay? And so while, while we are trying, we are on a journey to understand the fullness of God. Because here's the crazy stuff. You and I have been designed to contain the fullness of God. But yet he's infinite and he's, un- he's indescribable. We try to describe him. We put words to him, but even the words we put to him are inadequate to describe him. Because he's so much larger, so much more vast than we could ever even imagine. But we're doing our, we're doing our best. And how many of you know that this—that what happens inside of our 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 human journey with God is there's uh, this—we create systems, and in our journey with God, we create systems to understand Him and try to figure Him out, and then we get new revelation, and we have to deconstruct those systems, and we have to kind of reconstruct systems, and every time we we construct a system, we we seem to feel more safe. I got him. I got him figured out. And then all of a sudden you discover that he's so much more larger than the system that you just created. So now we're deconstructing the system. And how many of you know when we deconstruct systems, it's not a happy time? Because it's a fearful time. It creates fear, right? We start getting nervous. Well, I don't know. What am I going to do? Everything I used to know, what do I do with that if I'm discovering this new thing about God now? But this whole journey, if I can walk back and forth, i like to do that. This whole journey that we're on is a progression. And we're, we're progressing into the infinite nature of who God is. In order that we might fully comprehend, how can you fully comprehend the infinite? Paradox, right? But I i can, how about, I, I can more, I, I'm going to be able to more. Com- com- we might be in this problem because some of you have been asking for more. So point, point to your neighbor, say it's your fault. You've been asking God for more, haven't you? I know how this works. But here's the wonderful thing about God. What I'm coming to discover is God, and I, I, I was, I was so uh, pleased today when I was hearing some language that was just erupting out of the people here, that God is all about a culture of invitation. And He invites us, which makes it easier for me because that means means I can come to him at my pace. And I don't think my pace scares him or makes him nervous if I'm fast or slow. But he offers, he invites us to come, come, come. I want to uh, open a passage of scripture to you if I can. It's in Revelation. And if you take your Bibles, you can open there. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4 if you would. And I want to... Uh, the title of the message today is, is Come Up Here, but I want you to understand that as we progress, we're not doing anything our forefathers haven't done in the idea of progression. How many of you know, uh, years and years and years ago, I mean years ago, like, like uh, before the 6th century B.C., Okay, we're going way back, right? That there was a, a philosophy, a thought, that that the people of the day believed was true and they created systems using this belief in order to interact with their culture and with their um with business systems all that and, and it was this philosophy this thought that the earth was flat now you and i know today that all of course it's not flat but they didn't know that then and so when the discovery was made that the earth is not flat, how many of you know that systems had to be redesigned? But it just doesn't, you think, you think we get it after a while, but it, it didn't stop there because something else took place. Way back in 1654, Galileo proved that the earth rotated around the sun and the sun didn't rotate around the earth. Did I say that right There's this discoveries that are made and as we make these discoveries we don't know what to do with the previous word that we had it was good it took us to a certain it took us to a certain place but it was no longer going to take us into the next level of awareness so we have to, we have to think of faith. I, I, this is my, this is part of where I'm at in my journey. I, I'm, I'm beginning to think faith is progressive rather than static. Faith is, now, but even the word faith itself, it, it seems like, no, faith is something that I am secure in. Faith is something that I rest in. I know this to be true, right? And so we, we believe then. We, we're in this place of knowing. The Hebrews have, have a little word that they use, and we kind of joke around with it. It's like when someone tells you something you already know, yada, 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 right? It's actually a Hebrew word for knowing. I know, I know, I know. You don't have to tell me again. I know, I know, I know. But there is this place in even this idea of, from God's perception of knowing, in the Old Testament it was this word yada, in the New Testament is this word gnosko, and what it means is this full experience of knowing. In other words, I, I know you to the full. But what do we do when the things that we knew aren't sufficient to take us into this new place that the Lord is inviting us into. It creates tension. It creates friction. Sometimes it's exciting for you adrenaline-rushy, you know, for you adrenaline folks that love to have adrenaline in your system, but how many of you know that even adrenaline in your system for too long actually becomes negative in your system, and, and it's called stress, and it actually starts to degrade who we are. We're not made to have adrenaline all the time. But there's a place that I really believe that God is calling us into. It's a new place of tangible access. It's this place where, where God is saying, come up here. Let me, let me show you how this worked. In, in Revelation chapter one, I'm sorry, stay in chapter four if you would, but I want to start with Revelation chapter one. Actually, we have the slide, so we'll just put it up there, right? So Revelation chapter one, nine through 11. This comes out of, um, Uh, uh, the New American Standard Version. He says, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance, which are in Jesus, interesting, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Verse 10, I was in the Spirit. Say, in the Spirit. How many of you guys enjoy being in the Spirit? Right? Right? So here's John, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, write in a book what you see, and send it to the seven churches, and he goes on and he lists those churches. And so you understand in, in Revelation, if you're a student of the Word, you understand that Revelation 1, 2, 3, and 4 are really this, this uh, it's the writing of what John saw, and now he's putting it down on, uh, on paper. And of course, now it's been handed down to us over the generations. And so the, the key thing in here is, G, is Paul, John says, I was in the spirit and I heard a voice. You with me? I was in the spirit and I heard a voice. Now I want you to go to John, Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now understand that John has just written down all the things that he saw. He says, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, in other words, the same, the same person that spoke to me before, is speaking to me again, in which I had heard, that, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, come up here. And I will show you what must take place after these things. So immediately I was in the Spirit. Now, wait a minute. He was already in the Spirit. Right? I mean, we learned that in Revelation chapter 1. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he heard this voice. Like a loud trumpet speaking to him. Saying, write down these things that I'm about to show you. And now, he's, <laughs> he just is writing this stuff down, and he hears the voice again. Same voice, he recognized the voice, and the voice says, come up here. And immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. What I want to suggest to you is this. I really don't believe God plays hide and seek with us. I think what happens and what God wants to to do with us is his voice is the... his voice is that which we are to become so familiar with. That when we move from transition, from, from, can we say this? As we move into this place of expansion that the Lord is inviting every one of us into. At our own pace. As he invites us, it is going to be his voice that will be the constant. We've been in a season, I don't know about you guys down here, but up in the mountains, maybe it's just the thin air, but we have been in on a journey of learning what his voice sounds like. What does your voice sound like? How can I know your voice? All the intricacies of it, all the nuances of it, how how do I know when you're speaking and, and when you're not speaking, when, when some, something else is trying to speak, and We've been on this journey of learning to hear his voice and I think this is the critical piece for us as a people is that it's while circumstances may shift and change and create tension and different pulls and pushes on us as we progress forward, it's his voice that he is saying, my sheep know my voice. There is this If I could use the word weaving, um, my wife Kelly had mentioned to me something during worship and she had seen during our worship time here, we, she had seen lines of the past that were coming up to a right now moment. And, and then what she was seeing is future lines being interwoven to the, to the past. Um, or, or even the opposite of the past where it was interwoven into these future lines. And I was thinking to myself as she was saying this, that there's this, um, every one of us, we all have different experiences that have brought us to where we're at right now. We all have different lenses that we have used in order to see God, experience life. We all, we all, um, as we engage each other, Are are you aware that every one of you looks through a lens? I mean, the hardest piece is to even recognize you look through a lens. But every one of us does. We all come from different religious backgrounds, different upbringings, different trainings, different experiences. But all these experiences of the past, how many of you are aware that there is no past or future with God? Right? He is an infinite. He is the infinite one. He stands outside of time and space. He created time. Which is an interesting thing because he called it even good. How many of you are, complain about time? But for some reason he called it good and in fact he placed you in it for a purpose. Some of us are still trying to figure out, well, why? But there is a, there is a thing, there, there is something going on in this right now moment. So if you can, if you can conceptualize, if you can almost visualize from God's perspective, everything happens in the right now. Everything happens in the right now. Could I have my water? please? Everything happens right now. So the right now of God is where God is, right? It's just the way he perceives. He doesn't perceive things past, present, past future. Everything for him is in the right now. I know it's kind of hard. Work with me. But for us, we're inside of time trying to conceptualize that. But from him, he's outside of that. And so think about all these, all these momentums of all of your life. That are all coming into this right now moment, and actually, right now there are something at work. There is something at work within you right now, and the choice that you will make right now with His voice will lead you into a future with Him that's far beyond your imagination. I think it's with the key. There is with Him, with His voice. I know that there are different philosophies of thinking out there about God, and I, I'm fully aware, and um, there's a place inside of me. I know that sometimes we have this tension, okay, God, where'd you go? Right? Where'd you go? Oh, you must play, you must be playing hide-and seek with me. You want me to come and search for you. But let me suggest to you that I don't think that's the way God operates. Because you understand, if, if, I'm, if, if God disengaged from me, which is impossible because that would convey time, and he's outside of it. So if he disengaged, but from my perspective, if I perceive that God has disengaged from me, what's happening inside of me? There's, starting, there's fear that starts to well up inside of me. God, where'd you go? And could I suggest that it's not God that disengages from us, but there's the noise of circumstance is drowning out my connection to him. It's not that he's disengaged from me. It's not that he's disconnected from me. In fact, there's nothing ever created or will ever be created or the uncreated. There's nothing that can separate me from his love. Nothing. And love, now work with me just for a second, love being being the displacer of fear. In some, in some, in some uh, conversations, you might hear that love and fear are opposites, and in some ways they are, but not in the fact that fear has power over love. Fear is actually the absence of love. It's like darkness and light. Uh, light shows up, darkness goes away. Darkness doesn't come and, and, and overcome light. Fear can't do that either. Fear doesn't come and overtake love. Fear is the absence of love. And so if I feel that God is disconnected from me in order for me to run after him, then actually the momentum there is love has removed itself from me, and now fear rushes in. And I want to suggest to you that for many of us, we have been experiencing circumstance that has created a lot of noise in our life. So much so that, that fear has welled up and we have become distracted from his voice. Let me, let me use a different metaphor. My wife and I are walking through the woods. And as we're walking through the woods, we're out mushroom hunting. And as we're mushroom hunting, I'm off and I'm so looking for the right contrasts and colors on the ground to see if I can find the mushroom, right? Right? I'm getting pretty good at it. I found one mushroom; it was like this big. I mean, it was really, really good. It, not hard to see. What's harder to see is they're smaller ones. But as as I'm as we're walking, all the, before I realize it, where is Kelly? Where is where did she go? And she's off in the woods. We, we've somehow gotten separated because I was focused on on the mushrooms, which was the purpose of the the, the walk and the hike. But now imagine that Kelly and I are holding hands. And as we're walking through the woods, I start to pull a little bit over here because I see something, or she begins to pull over here a little bit. And because I have her hand in my hand, we are quick to respond to one another. I can sense when she's going here, over here. I can sense when she's going over there. So in the same way, this idea of the metaphor of, of holding hands or this metaphor of the voice is this idea of that God, when, when we are, when we're stepping into, we're in this right now moment with God. We have all this history that we've walked through and we're learning how to hear his voice. And now we get into this place of right now and it's, it is his voice that brings us comfort. It is his voice that leads us. It is his voice that empowers me. It's his voice that reminds me who I am when I begin to forget. He does not want us. He has no desire in his heart, I believe, to ever disconnect from us in order for us to find him. But what happens is the circumstances of life start to swirl, and they create such a cacophony of noise that it drowns out my capacity to hear him. There's this, there's this place of his voice that if we, we, it becomes so precious to us that we begin to protect, we begin to protect my capacity to hear his voice, that I, I, can't, I, I, I will not allow circumstance to dislodge my capacity to hear his voice. Not that we we can make decisions based in fear, or we can make decisions based in the value of something. And and what I'm trying to learn right now is I'm trying to not be motivated by fear, but I'm trying to create boundaries because I'm protecting what is most valuable to me. And I'm finding that his voice, his, his presence, my connectivity to that, that at any moment, any moment, I can turn my eyes towards him and I can, I can sense his presence. I can hear his voice, and there's this place of identity that rises up in me that I was made for this kind of connection, all the time, everywhere. But what happens with the circumstance, and many of you have been experiencing, this, especially over these last weeks, as, as this area has just been pummeled by by rain, and, and of course you can blame us. Water runs downhill. Okay, I mean, it came from the high country, probably came down this way, and the ground was so saturated, and so much tragedy, so much travesty took place. But even the noise of all of that, does that have the power? Has that potentially or possibly diminished your capacity to hear his voice? See, what happens when circumstance rises up is... Is the circumstance, here's God, and my focus is on God, and I, and I, and I'm so enthralled with Him, but this circumstance, this circumstance wants to weave its way here. And now I'm looking at God through my circumstance. Really, there's another word for that when that takes place is called idolatry. When I look at God through something else, But really what God is desiring for us, in fact, he's made us for it, he says, no, wait a minute, I want you to stay, keep your eye here, look at me, Brent, look at me, hear my voice, hold my hand, whatever metaphor you want to use there, and then the circumstance kind of weaves in, and now I will not allow that circumstance to get here so it only can go here. And so now I'm looking at the circumstance through who I know God to be. And now, no longer is the circumstance; it can't have power over me. It's not manipulating me. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not more than it is. It's just a circumstance. And I, inside of me, right now, with God, with His voice, with His presence, I can engage that circumstance from heaven. Now, in this progression that we're on with God, as we're learning more and more about who He is, and we're and we're, um, so to speak, risking our forward momentum. Okay, God. Okay, God. I want to know more. I want to know more of what you're about. I know. I want to know everything about you. I just want the more. And of course, because we've asked for the more, He's perfect in saying, "Okay, I want to show you some more." Not forcing Himself on us, but working off of our invitation because he loves invitation that's the way he works too but we want to engage him at this deeper level john goes and he says god um i'm just i'm in this encounter with you and in the midst of the encounter that's i mean i'm already overwhelmed with you in this encounter and then he hears the lord say you want some more would you like some more Have you ever been so full before, and then someone brings dessert? And you're going, ah, I can't eat another thing, you know? And they offer a breath minute, and it doesn't help, and, and now you're in this place, but maybe I have just a little bit more room. And so you go for that little bit more, and, and it's just so, ah, it, just, it was just the perfect bite right there put the sweet on top of everything else. This is really good. But then you thought, I can't eat anymore. And then pretty soon you find, you, you, you recognize you downed the whole dessert and you go, I didn't even know I had room for that. Then you waddle away from the table because you can't even maneuver anymore. But the point there is just that God is inviting us into this more, into this place of expansion. And he's wanting us to engage. Here, here's, the, here's the key, I think. As we engage the more of God, there are, going to be things, there are going to be things about the more of God that we're so hungry for, we're going to be moving into, and we're not going to dis- discard this previous revelation of God, but that previous revelation of God is necessary. We're going to have to stand on top of it. We're going to use it as our footing to get to the next one. Okay, We're not going to discard it. We're going to honor it. We're going to use it as our footing to get to the next one. When we start to dis- dismantle and um, deconstruct systems, the fearful thing is, I gotta throw it all away. Don't, don't, don't throw it all away. It was very helpful to get you where you are. It was necessary. But now, a greater truth is being released to us, and we are gonna step onto the truths that have already been given to us, and we are gonna press into the more of God. And you think that, oh, it's this year. This year is the only time I'm going to have to do this, huh? This is an eternal progress for us, progression for us. It's an eternal progression. We are forever going to be pressing into the more of God. You might have thought, hey, when I get to heaven someday, I'll have it all down. Guys, we're just going to, we're going to get rid of some of the limiters and we're going to be pressing into even the more of God after that. One last thing and then I'll be done. It's an interesting thing in James 1.23 and 24 and 25. Coming out of the mirror Bible, it says this, The difference between a mere spectator and a participator is that both of them hear the same voice and perceive in its message the face of their own genesis reflected as in a mirror. They realize that they are looking at themselves, but for the one it seems just too good to be true. So he departs back to his old way of seeing himself, never giving another thought to the man he saw in the mirror. Verse 25, the other one is mesmerized by what he sees. He's captivated by the effect of a law that frees man from the obligation to the old written code that restricted him to his own efforts and willpower. No distraction or contradiction can dim the impact of what he sees in that mirror concerning the law of perfect liberty the law of faith, that now frees him to get on with the act of living, the life of his original design, and he finds a new spontaneous lifestyle in the poetry of practical living. I love the way he writes. Each of you are on a journey. Each of you have faith, but your faith was never meant to be static. It was always meant to be progressively growing. Don't be afraid of the growth. Stand on top of what the Lord has already revealed to you. Look to his voice. Look to the familiarity of his voice. Let him walk with you as you transition into the new seasons that are in front of us as individuals and as the corporate church. Whether you realize it or not, the corporate face of the church is changing. We're changing. We're coming into something more than we had. So let's live fear-free because we walk with his voice. Okay? Let me pray for you. Can I do that? Would you stand with me? Put your hand over your heart, if you would. Jesus, Jesus, we're holding our hearts right here. We have our hands on our chest, just symbolically showing you, Lord, you have our heart. And we trust you with it because we know that you love us and you are the safest place ever. We do not have to fear. Your love pushes away all fear. It's great to know that you are God and that we are your children. And somehow in this journey that we're on, you have made us for way more than we're currently aware of. But we love the progression. We've been asking for the more. And so, Lord, we say yes to the more so give us courage as we walk forward with you, Lord, that you are taking us into the moor and that it's safe, it's safe because you will never pull your voice away from us. You will never let go of our hand. You will never abandon us. It's not in your nature. It cannot happen. There's nothing that can separate me from your love. And so, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your right nowness, and we want to live in the right nowness of what you see when you look at us. You see us complete. You see us full. You see our capacities, and you desire us to reveal who you are to the planet. So, Lord, we take one more step. Be courageous. Maybe even do that right now in the place you're standing. Take one step forward. And say, Lord, I step one more, clo- I take one more step closer to you. I will not live in fear. I will protect the value of your voice in me. We bless you, Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. That's great. Wow.